Let all God's people say amen. Again, we thank God for this day, knowing again that we did nothing uh, to deserve this, but it's by the grace of God that we are here, and for that reason, we owe him all that he is due, and we say thanks be to God. Uh, we celebrate our mothers, as Pastor Leg has shared, there are many of you all that may or may not celebrate the life are the legacy uh, of mothers that have possibly transitioned from this life to another, but yet we honor and we acknowledge all of our mothers that are present here today. Please know that many of us would not be who or what we are if it weren't for you as mothers. So I would ask for everyone to please give a round of applause to our, our mothers. Yeah, amen. We are always humbled and honored to have a chance to come and worship and fellowship with you all here at South Springs. Uh, again, Pastor Legg is one that I would consider a dear friend. Uh, he and his family, and so again, I'm just in awe of how they keep getting taller. Uh, and I don't, but needless to say, uh, it's always great to see them, always great to be in the presence of you. Uh, who worship here. For those of y'all that don't know our church family, The Cross, uh, actually we spent our last stint uh, of a, a, a church plant here in this sanctuary. I was a part of a couple of life groups that met at the back uh, of this sanctuary and then prior to our service I would be with that group and then during our service, which we meet at 12 noon, um, our folk would come in and we would do worship services right here in the sanctuary. God has blessed us, but even in those blessings, we do not forget, uh, and we consistently and we constantly talk and speak highly of you as a church family. We want you to know that the seeds that were planted, possibly prior to many of you all being a part of this church family, just know indeed that you're on fertile ground and that God has blessed the works and the ministry of this church the leaders, and also we can't help but acknowledge uh, the spirit of servitude that Pastor Leg has had over the years. Now, you've put your hands together once for the mothers. Let's do that again for the leadership here at this church. Amen. <clears throat> I have alluded to the fact that we do have a 12 o'clock worship service that we'll be going to, and so uh, we won't delay and, and, and take a lot of time but I've always been taught that people don't have to be nice. And so when they are, you make sure you slow down and you say thanks. I was uh, elated to see some of our church family, a, a family uh, come in, the Jones family, to be a part of this worship service with us this morning. And I want you to welcome them here this morning, the Jones family. Amen. So good to see them. Um, always thankful when my family is able to be a part of it. Now, my oldest daughter, uh, who's actually a nurse at one hospital, and my middle daughter, who's a nurse at the other, their shifts uh, ended up alter alternating. And so my middle girl is here. My oldest girl intended to come to your 8 o'clock service this morning, which you don't have an 8 o'clock service. <laughs> And so she called me as I was getting dressed and, and, and let me know that it's not 8 o'clock. Uh, and so she needed to go to bed. And I said, turn on over and go to bed. Uh, but we're glad to have my middle girl, Tyra, here. Tyra, just raise your hand. All right. 
Then my namesake, Stephen, is here. He's a sophomore here in Tyler. Raise your hand. There you go. And my favorite wife. Yeah, she's here. Uh, I'm glad to see all of them here. But I would not be here uh, if it were not for my wife, I can tell you that. And so many of the things that I have a chance to do uh, and people that I have a chance to meet largely is because my wife uh, makes it possible. So, yo, I'm going to ask for you if you will stand. Yeah. And you all say Happy Mother's Day. All right, so we, we have tried to make sure we've done all our niceties and uh, taken care of. I have one of my students, former students, uh, one of my favorite students, actually, Sean. You all know Sean, and so I'm always glad to see him. Every day that he would come to school, he had that same smile. Um, and when they left, he had the same smile. And in the morning times, I did not smile. Uh, and then in the evenings, I often did not smile until I saw Sean. And so, again, he was one of my favorite students. Always good to see him and mom. Uh, great to be amongst friends. Let's see what God has to say to us. We're going to look at the book of Exodus chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn. Uh, we'll be looking at Exodus chapter 2. I'm going to read several verses. Now, I'm going to tell you, by the time I complete reading, uh, we will be halfway through with our preaching moment. But I want us to see what God has to say from verse 1 in Exodus chapter 2. If you're using your phones, by all means, use that. I just encourage you not to uh, be embarrassed. Make sure your ringtones are cut off. Uh, we may find out what's your favorite playlist uh, if your phones are not silenced. But Exodus chapter 2, uh, verse 1. Exodus chapter 2, verse 1. And there we go. Yeah, name that tune. Okay. So Exodus chapter 2, verse 1, it reads in this way. And it will not matter what version you read, context will be the same. Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman. And she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. 
When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. May God add a blessing to the reading and to the hearers thereof. I would like to use as a preaching thought, something good is coming out of this. Something good is coming out of this. Pray with us this morning. Oh, Lord, our God, we bow our heads in reverence to you, first wanting to stop and say thank you. We thank you for the gift of life that you've granted, allowing our eyes to open and to see a new day, a day that we've not seen before and a day that we'll never see again. But with bowed heads, we stop and say, Lord, thank you. We thank you for Jesus Christ who came, bled, and died for our sins. We thank you for your spirit that even now comforts. And in your presence, we're able to say that you are real. We thank you for your written word. Our prayer is that you'll give us conciseness of speech, clarity of thought, and precision of tongue so that these that are assembled will not just be hearers, but they will be doers of your word. And in a like fashion, we'll walk out of these doors, being willing to encourage those that are facing difficulties and to remind those difficult and those tough situations that people face, to remind them that something good can come out of this. We love you and we give you glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Let every heart say, Amen. R.C. Sproul said that we will trust God with our life when we learn to trust the providence of God. That's the doctrine I want to talk about today is the providence of God which simply implies that God sees and he provides. And sometimes on the surface, things may look one way, but our trusting in God's providence suggests that even when things look one way, God is able to see all and provide everything. That's the simplicity of the message. Joanne Murray was a bank executive. She decided one day that she was going to embark on a free fall from an airplane up in the sky, about 14,500 feet in the air. She was to jump out of the doors and she had saved. She had looked forward to this moment and the moment had come where she would now fall from the doors of an airplane. As she fell, she knew that she was to pull the string, the ripcord, so that her parachute would open up. She pulled the ripcord and nothing happened. The excitement, the moments that she had looked for were beginning to dash, adrenaline was elevating, but yet she remembered I have a, a backup. When she pulled that backup ripcord to the second chute, 
It opened up, and yes, it broke the speed of her fall from 200 miles per hour down to maybe 120 miles per hour. She was falling. She was approaching the ground, and in panic, she did the unthinkable because sometimes when things aren't lining up like we want them to, sometimes we do the unthinkable. She panicked, and when she panicked, that chute contracted. She hit the ground. When she hit the ground, you know she broke bones, fillings in her teeth. They, were, they came out. Her bones were broken. It appeared that she was slipping away because her heartbeat began to fail, it was faint. You know, in Southwest Arkansas, we would, we would say, if it ain't one thing, it's another. In uh, a show, the Hee Haw Show, there was a song that they would often say uh, that implied that about the look that a person can have. And many of you all know it, that if it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. This woman had fallen, broken bones, heartbeat slowing up, and to make matters worse, she landed in a mound full of fire ants. Didn't look like anything good could come out of this. By the time the paramedics made it there to Miss Murray, it stated that her heartbeat was so faint, but yet they could still tell that there was a heartbeat. They were able to rush her to the hospital. They were able to take some time, perform some reconstructive surgeries for her. They gave her some very intensive treatments to nurse her back to health. Doctors and nurses were in awe, could not believe that she had fallen down so fast, so quickly, and yet she was still holding on. It was baffling to the medics that were there, but doctors believed. Because she fell in that mound of fire ants, they could see on the exterior that she had almost 200 stings from the ants. And doctors rationalized and stated that her survival was because the ant bites caused for her heart to continue to beat because the, the stings shocked her heart. Can you imagine that? It looked as if things were as bad as it could get. Now, I can confess, I'm no medic. I don't know if that's medically possible for that to happen, but I can tell you, I do know that God can. I know that God can keep you when you fall. And I know that even if he does not catch you before you hit the ground, he's there to make sure that even if you fall, you don't break. And even if you break, he's there. I'm a living witness that God can also catch you after your break. And he can put you back together again. You know the old nursery rhyme, Humpty Dumpty. 
had a great fall. Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. All the king's horses, all the king's men could not put Humpty together again. But I want to tell you the other verse, but God can. And this text is tailored to teach us that God's providence is something that we can trust. We can trust the providence of God, even if we cannot trace his hand. We can trust his hand. Keep in mind the words of John Flavel, where he speaks about the providence of God and he shares that it's like the Hebrew language that in order to understand it, you have to read it backwards. And that's how sometimes when we're going through life, it's hard for us to appreciate what God has done and demonstrated. But when we look at our life going backwards, we can see that it's nothing but God's providence that allowed us to make it to this space and to this place. There are some amongst us, if we were to invite you up to share your story, Many of us in this room could attest, we're here today because of God's providence. We are here today, but the truth is the beginning of our life, the beginning of our story did not break us, but it made us. And it's by the grace of God that we're here. It's by God's grace that we are able to say his providence is something that I can trust. When I look at this text, and I think in terms of the Lord providing, because when we think of providence, it's saying God provides and God sees the word provide uh, in its Hebrew sense would suggest he sees, he provides much like what God did for Abraham when he was there to take his son Isaac's life. He provided, he saw to, he gave a ram. He provides, he sees. This is the truth. And if we were to give you a carry out message or a sermon in one sentence, if someone were to ask you what was the message about, you would be able to share with him what God sees, he sees to. God sees to all that he sees. He, he does not turn a blind eye to anything. And what he sees, he sees to it. I know we like up-to-date music. How many of you all remember this childhood song that we learned, and we may not have liked it, but we sang it, He's Got the Whole World in His Hands. Do you remember that one? Talk back if you can. Do you remember the verses to it? He has the little bitty baby. I did not like doing the hand movements. I didn't like it, but the truth is, God, he has the little bitty babies. In his hand. Do you remember the other verse? He has the mama and the papa. He has you and me. And we used to have to point you and me. I didn't like it. <laughs> he has everybody. Let me hear you say everybody. 
in his hand. That's the providence of God. And it's to say that even if we are not comfortable saying that, are comfortable in sharing that, it does not remove the truth of it that God has the whole world in his hands. This text is a bouquet of a lot of evidence, if we were to look at, to remind us it does not matter how complex the story is in a person's life and how baffled and how muddy and sometimes uncomfortable it may be. The truth is something good can come out of this. Moses in this text is absolutely the same Moses that God used to stand on the mountaintop and to receive the Ten Commandments, the laws of God. This Moses is the same Moses that served as a model for his protege, Joshua. Joshua, which would lead God's people into Canaan land, became Joshua because he saw the life of Moses. This Moses is the same Moses that killed a man with his own hands, but yet God still used him. And it's to say that God can use any of us in spite of where we've been, in spite of how we started. The good news of the text is God sees to all that he sees. He can use you and me. He can use the mama and the papa. He can use everybody because he has the whole world in his hand. I like this text and the reason that I wanted us to read it in its entirety is because we cannot fully appreciate how Moses ended unless we consider the journey along the way, looking at it backwards, looking at his experiences going backwards. And if we were to invite Moses in the room, Moses would tell all of us, it does not matter how you fall. It does not matter what you break. It does not matter where you land something good can come out of this. Matter of fact, help me preach it. If you've been through experiences and you know it is not about how you began in the journey, but it's where you are and where you're headed, and you know that you're a better version of yourself now than you were years ago, just raise your hand. Now, while your hand is up, look over to someone and say something good can come out of this. It's a couple of things I think this text is tailored to teach us. The first thing I think this text shows us is your background will not stop you. If you're a note taker, you might want to write that one down. If you're watching it on Facebook, you can type it in. Your background will not stop you. Now, it won't stop you if you don't let it. And I think verse one is tailored to show us something that shows us about the background of Moses. Look, if you will, the text says, now a man of the tribe of Levi 
married a Levite woman. And that's it. That's the background of Moses. And isn't that how we often do it? We just glance through people's backgrounds. We look at it and we skim over it. And we really don't understand that there's a lot more substance to a person than what we see them for. But when we look at the background, this man that married a Levite woman is really not spoken about in detail until you get to Exodus chapter 6, verse 20. Now there is a story for a lifetime. Because there you see the truth about this man that married a Levite woman, Amram and Jochebed, which happens to be a twisted story, something that would make a great movie series or great television series or a great movie because here's a man that married his aunt. That's Moses' parents. Think about that. That's not something you want for other people to know. You are the byproduct of something that's sketchy and shady. And here's Moses. That was his background. Now, those of you all that are in the room and you're Bible scholars, do you know, well, this was not out, this was not something that was looked negatively on during this time period. It was not. Actually, it was not until God gave the law to the people. Then it became something to make sure you didn't do. It was a law. But keep in mind, Moses was born into this. Moses did not have a chance to decide who his mom and who his dad was. He was born into this. It would be much like if I were born in an abusive relationship or I was born because someone raped my mom or I was born in alcoholism or I was born with parents as an addict. I can't keep them from being something and doing something when I'm not even born yet. But Moses shows us in this text, you don't let your background stop you. Now, Moses grew up in this, but it did not grow up in him. And we have to make sure that when we are marked and when we are scarred, that we don't shy away from it. It actually is a part of our story. When I'm interviewing applicants for positions and there are gaps in time and I'm looking at a resume and it shows gaps in time, I like for applicants to talk about those gaps. Don't shy away from it because it makes you look shady. And what is discovered there's a sense of ease and appreciation because it makes sense if things don't line up on paper and we shy away from what has marked us and scarred us. But sometimes our marks and our scars make us uniquely who we are. So your background won't stop you if you don't let it. Moses did not shy away from telling God's people 
what thus says the Lord, even though that was a part of his background. And I want you to know that if you don't shy away from your background and do not allow your background to stop you, something good can come out of this. There's a second thing to consider. And this text shows us that your beauty will be seen. If you're a note taker, you might want to write that one down. If you're typing it, type it in. Your beauty will be seen. I want you to see how this unfolds. Moses' mother raised him, protected him, nurtured him. She's, when she became pregnant, she did all the things that pregnant women do. She took care of him. She gave birth to him. She conceived him. She nurtured him. And when she saw that he was a fine child, some translations will say a good child, the same good that God used when he described the creation. And he said, this is good. Tov, it's good. It means that it's able to produce. It's good. It's productive. It's good. She saw that he was good and she protected. She hid him for three months. She understood the times, the conditions that this baby was born in. It was not a good time. It was a bad time. In Exodus chapter 1 verse 22, Pharaoh had already declared that the firstborn should be killed. It was not a good time. But amazingly, even in the middle of a bad time, she knew that what God gave her was good. Don't miss that. Times do not have to be good for you to know that God has given you something that's good. Tov. If you have a tree and the tree produces fruit, that's good. Tov. If you have a tree and the tree produces fruit and that fruit does not have seed, no seed, no tov, no good. If you plant a tree and the tree produces a fruit and the fruit produces seed and the seed produces a tree, but the tree does not produce fruit, no good, no tov. So when we see this text, it appears that Moses' mother saw the good even though times were not good. Because she knew that which she had nurtured and raised and protected would continue to be productive. And that's what this text teaches us is we are productive when we can see the hand of God and God's providence in our life. What he sees, he sees to it. This text also teaches us a third consideration that your basket will survive. If you're a note taker, write that one down. If you're typing it, type it in. Your basket will survive. Make no mistake about it. Moses' mother acknowledged 
that this child that she had protected and nurtured and raised was at a moment where she could not keep him any longer. For anyone that has ever raised a child or been around a child, you know it's hard to keep a child quiet all the time. Go ahead and say amen. Your neighbor will not get mad with you if they have a, have a child. This text shows us that after three months of hiding him, and they were hiding him because if they were to be found, their life could be taken from Pharaoh. So she hid him. But verse 3 tells us when she could hide him no longer, she used her resources. She used her ingenuity. She found a papyrus basket. She took some tar to make this basket not just rain resistant, but buoyant. She took it. She placed the baby in it. She went down to the Nile River found some reeds that were growing up alongside the banks, placed the basket in it, and this is the spot that we see where trusting God's providence takes place. In spite of the obvious conditions of Pharaoh proclaiming that the firstborn should be taken, in spite of the enormous crocodiles that frequented the Nile River. Matter of fact, even today, there are skeletal remains and there are mummies of crocodiles that exist in Egypt. In spite of the enormous crocodiles and the obvious conditions, in spite of, in spite of the vigorous currents of the Nile River that would sweep the waters from the Nile into the Mediterranean Sea. In spite of all of that, she did something that many of us are afraid to do. And here's my deep theological point this morning because I know you've been waiting on the edge of your seats for something that's really profound. This is what you do when you don't know what to do, let it go. That, that would have been a drop the mic moment right there. It got real intense in here, and I was like, here it comes. When you don't know what to do, let it go. Stop worrying about it. It's nothing else you can do. You've done everything that you can. Brother, sister, let it go. She used the resources. She did everything that she could. And she understood if I keep them, I could kill them. The destiny would be destroyed of this great deliverer. Let it go. It's right here in the text. She placed him there in the reeds. I'm amazed by the providence of God. Not one crocodile came into the reeds and took Moses out. I'm amazed about the providence of God. 
that the strong winds did not sweep through and push this basket into the middle of the Nile River and push it down to the Mediterranean Sea, causing this papyrus basket to topple over, and then Moses becomes crocodile bait. I'm amazed about the providence of God that God allowed for Moses' sister Miriam to be there on the banks of the Nile while at the same time Pharaoh's daughter was there and saw that this was a baby floating. At the same time, God's providence kept Pharaoh's daughter from getting that basket and taking it to her dad who had already said, if there's a Hebrew child that would be born, we're going to kill it. But instead, the providence of God allowed something good to come out of this. All I'm trying to suggest to someone here today, while you're worrying about all the things that could happen, in spite of tripping out and losing your mind and panicking and going cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, let it go. The providence of God is something that even if you can't trace him, you can trust him. I'm here today because of the providence of God. I have not jumped out of airplanes and always landed on my feet. I've been broken, I've been stung, I've been bitten, but here's the truth, I'm not in here by myself. If you've had some aches and pains, if you've had some things that did not line up with how you wished that they would, but yet you're still here, help me preach it, raise your hand and say, let it go. We're almost at the end. Because everything won't always look good in your life. Can I tell you a story that many of you all might be familiar with? Because, see, you would not be familiar with my dad's story, who was in the hospital because of a gallstone. Later to discover, as they're removing that gall, that it was consumed with cancer. But yet, as an 80-something-year-old man who had never had surgery before, once they removed the gall, they went back to look, and there's not one trace of cancer found. So even though you may have aches, sometimes God uses that which does not look good, and he works it out for the good of those that love him, Romans 8, 28, and those that are called according to his purpose. But that verse says, for we know that all things... You're not familiar with his story. But I do know that many of you all in the room are familiar with what happened one dark Friday. It was on Golgotha Hill, where my Lord and Savior had been bruised. He had been wounded. Do you know him? He had been beaten. He had been stripped of his clothing. Matter of fact, they took a whip and they whipped him with a cat of nine tails that ripped the flesh from his bones. He was there on a wooden cross one Friday. It didn't look like anything good could come out of this. He bled, didn't he bleed? They put a crown on his head. I'm talking about my Jesus and blood came streaming from his head. They pierced him in the side. There were people right there at his feet gambling. They thought nothing good can come out of this. The old Baptist preacher would say, Friday night, he died. Saturday, Saturday morning, he was dead. Saturday noon, brother, he was still dead. Saturday night, still dead. 
But something good came out of it, didn't it? <laughs> Early Sunday morning, something good came out of it. Tov came out of it. The Bible shows us that he got up early Sunday with all power in his hand and the grave is still there to prove that my savior, he still lives. It may not look like something good can come out of it. You may experience failure. You may deal with difficulty. You may have to foreclose. You may go to a doctor and the doctor says you have cancer or you have some type of disease that we can't even put a name to. I promise you that God sees to all that he sees and something good can come out of it. Because he lives, I face tomorrow. Because he lives, all my fears, they're gone. Because he lives, I know he holds, he holds the future. And my life is worth the living just because he lives. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord, our God, we thank you for the gift of life and for this moment in time where we may have looked more at our situations and we've looked to you as our savior. We know that you see us and you see what we're in. And in spite of the obvious conditions, the enormous presence of danger, in spite of the ferocious currents of life that toss us to and fro, in spite of all of that, we're at a moment where we've realized our best solution when we've done everything that we can that's to let it go. We trust you. We give you with our whole heart our circumstances, our conditions. Be with us now and forever is our prayer. We pray this in Jesus' name. Let every heart say Amen.